Hello and welcome to Hutong Hero, your favorite podcast. Today, I got a special guest. He's kind of like family. He is family. Mr. Chris Lino. Now, is it Mr. Chris Lino or should I refer to you as Dr. Dr. Lino or Mr. Dr. Lino? Uh, I always Dr. go with Mr. Lino. I go with Mr. Sir Doctor, uh, just on the off chance that people don't check to see if I've actually been knighted. Okay. Yeah, that's usually how I roll. You could so, probably throw him off with that. Yeah, that's a lot. Esquire, of... put Esquire at the end. I'm a lawyer now. You know. know. Oh, is that what it's for? Okay, yeah. I always wondered what Esquire was. <laughs> yeah, right? Esquire is lawyer. So that's so cool. Anyways, <laughs> we don't have an Esquire here, really per se. Um, Chris is not a lawyer, but he has accomplished a lot. He got his PhD in. Biomedical sciences. I was going to say molecular <laughs> biology, but that's actually my undergrad. I have done so much biology in my life that I can't remember where it all starts and ends at this point. You've done a lot of biology. Done Chris. so much biology, man. That's pretty. That's pretty heavy, man. Feels good. All right, and so, bad. Chris, uh, really quickly, you know, I, I forecasted on Weibo that we would have this interview and this discussion. Why don't you quickly tell everybody, like. Uh, maybe a summarized version of your education. Sure. So uh, about, what is that now, like 15 or 20 years Many ago? Many years ago like, in a galaxy like, far, yeah, far exactly. away. <laughs> a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away at this point. Uh, I did my undergrad at the Illinois Institute of Technology in Chicago. Took four years up there. It was, it was pretty good. I got my molecular biology undergraduate bachelor of science. I was actually there when the White Sox won the World Series for the first time in like 96 years. Eh, uh, Keep it on the topic, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Um, After that, I came back to Albuquerque, came back home, and did my PhD at UNM. Wow. You're just the best, aren't you? Well, I mean, I'm definitely the best at going to Illinois Tech and then UNM, for sure. You know, I don't know anybody else who did that. A lot of people would say you should go from UNM to Illinois, specifically Chicago. You did the reverse. Why? I did the reverse because uh, I wanted to come home. You know, it was Breaking Bad, wasn't it? It's uh, well, so I won't lie. Uh, the idea of becoming a multi-millionaire drug kingpin was definitely at the forefront. Um, now this podcast is explicit. <laughs> we've, we've crossed over, and now uh, all of your episodes will have to be marked as such, and none of the little children will be able to listen to you. Right. So um, for those of you that don't know, Chris is extremely well-educated, a man of science. And in, in our family, you know, he's married to my sister. And I'm so lucky to have him in my family because not only is he gifted in, in his field, but whenever uh, something needs to be fixed, cars, whatever, Chris has this ability, a knack, that he can literally just look something up and visualize how to solve the problem, and, and, and then he does so. So we got a very special person with us today. Also, to tell you the truth, I don't say this lightly. I used to be the tallest person in my family. It was, uh, it was the good days. And now I am a dwarf compared to Chris. I'm 6'3". I don't know what that is in centimeters. It's is a that, lot of it's a lot Is of that what the rest of the world uses? I centimeters? think they probably use meters because you're... I don't you're even bigger care. than one meter. You know? I don't even care. But you okay, can okay. go. Set, I mean, there's like hundreds. Anyways, of them. I'm six three, Chris. What are you? Sure, I'm six eight. I an extra five inches, which wow, Chris. You know. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. That's that's what she said. 
Explicit. <laughs> I have also been described as uh, Ben Affleck-like. So No one ev- liked Batman. Everybody at home can just kind of think of me as a taller, more handsome Ben Affleck, and you'll have a pretty good picture. His movies have been tanking. Really feel bad for him. <laughs> he still he sleeps on a pile of money at night, so it's not all bad. That's, ben okay, Affleck. good for him. Anyways, back to you, Chris. <laughs> I don't think any of us in this studio are sleeping on a... Bet of money, but that, that'd be nice. But biomedical sciences, maybe that'll get you there. Who knows? But you can talk about that more here. I also want to talk about uh, Chris as, as a person outside of work. What do you like to do? Well, as as you know, Ryan, because mm-hmm. we've gone, we go to the batting cages sometimes. I love to play sports, play softball. I play, I bowl, I do bowling. Mm-hmm. I don't know, is, is bowling big in China? I don't know if bowling's big in China. Okay. I saw one bowling alley... Never went to it because I'm not a big bowler. Right. No, that's fair. Uh, so I do that. I golf. Play a lot of video games. A lot of video. Those games. aren't sports, Chris. That's not as well. I mean, technically, that, don't don't not not on this podcast, uh, dude. Like, save two, it for another I, one. I man. will not. Two weeks ago, some like 14 year old kid won a Fortnite tournament, and he is now a millionaire. What is that about? All right, we're gonna end this podcast and uh, start working on our Fortnite we're, game. We're gonna, we're gonna hit up Fortnite like right after this. No, but okay. So back back to this, Chris. You've accomplished a lot, and so why I wanted to talk to you is because a I really respect you. Oh, thanks, um, man. You're my big bro, and on top of that, you know, just off the cusp, you told me that it took you about ten years did to accomplish this, and I imagine that. There's quite a few stories that you can tell um, people, maybe aspiring PhDs, to kind of help them get through, help them keep motivated. Because 10 years is a long time to stay in a field, to stay on track, to do something. So I think that inspiration and that motivation is something that we can get out of this podcast today and give to our audience. I'm really excited about that. One other thing about Chris is that he's a big fan, like I am, of Bare Naked Ladies. I'm not going to tell my sister, but uh, we both like Bare Naked Ladies. So our first song today is going to be from B&L. Like open the fridge and stuff, and there'll always be foods laid out for us with little 
pre-wrapped sausages and things. Mm. They have pre-wrapped sausages, but they don't have pre-wrapped bacon. Well, can you blame them? <laughs> uh, yeah. If I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars, well, I'd buy you a fur coat, but not a real fur coat. That's cruel. And if I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars, well, I'd buy you an exotic pet. Yep, like a llama or an emu. And if I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars, well, I'd buy you John Merrick's remains, Ooh, all them crazy elephant bones. And if I had a million dollars, I'd buy you. We just need more. And buy really expensive ketchups with it. That's right, all the fanciest ke Dijon ketchup. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars, well, I'd buy you a green dress, but not a real green dress, that's cruel. And if I had a million dollars, if I had a well, I'd buy you some art A Picasso or a Garfunkel If I had a million dollars If I had a million dollars Well, I'd buy you a monkey Haven't you always wanted a monkey? If I had a million dollars I'd buy you That was If I Had a Million Dollars by the Bare Naked Ladies. I love Bare Naked Ladies. Yeah, just in general or the band? The band, Chris. Oh, okay. Come on. I also, I'm running a very PG podcast. I feel like Chris. this has not been PG at all. Whatever. You are going explicit today. It's all relative, Chris. Uh, if yeah. I was in the hood, this would be PG. I, so that is totally fair. I just don't know if Apple runs its podcast servers in the hood. That's all. They do. Okay. I think. Nice. I don't know. I've heard some hood podcasts. They're yeah, pretty fair. good, That's but fair. not as good as this one. Not as good as this because one. Because even though they might have, you know, whatever, uh, Snoop Dogg or well, I don't I don't. Okay. Listen, I don't know who they have. Vanilla on. Ice. Is he still alive? <sighs> who cares? Hopefully. That's going to sound awful. I was going to say hopefully not, but you know what? Ice Ice Baby. Solid. It was a, it was a song. It's a touch. Uh, people liked song. it. Anyways. Chris, people still like it. Do you still like it, Chris? I Actually, I would karaoke it if I knew more of the words. I'm not going to lie. Well, if you don't really know the words, then you probably didn't listen to it enough, which means that you're lying and you didn't really like it. But you Got do em. like Bare Naked Ladies. Well, I'll be playing one of those songs here next. But, you know, I got to say that uh, one of the first times I met Chris, 
I was uh, I was at a karaoke bar, yep. and karaoke bars in the U.S. You know, you you just somebody calls your name and you have to sing in front of a whole bar. So like in Asia, a lot of the karaoke places you just sing in a room with your friends. Mm-hmm. Not in America, you're in front of everyone. So Chris, I just I remember this big tall guy. I was like, who does this guy think he is? Big tall guy. Uh, he walks up, grabs the mic. And then this song starts playing. He's like, if I had a million dollars, if I had a... And I was like, that's a good song. Um, and then, then I used la- to really like this song until he yeah. started singing it. Later I knew he really liked it when I heard him singing in the shower, when he was on the, ba- uh, on the, on the pot, if you know what I mean. You know? I had no idea that you listened to me when I'm let's in move, the restroom. Let's move on, Chris. Okay. okay? Anyways, right. back to your PhD. <laughs> Back to your PhD. So, you know, one thing that a lot of people struggle with in life is to stay consistent. So my first question to you is biology. You started biology in Illinois. And why? What, what kind of, what sparked you to start this very long journey? What was the inspiration to do biology? So this is really going to sound kind of hokey because I think that a lot of people, like when you do a science fair in elementary school, a lot of people will say like, this is so lame. I can't believe I have to do this. And the teachers will say, this really does help to promote like a, a feeling of like, like curiosity in the sciences. And for the most part, it sounds really lame and hokey. But honestly, that's the kind of thing that really like revved my engine when I was little, like learning about the world, how it works. And then taking like cellular biology and learning that, you know, your body is actually composed of billions of little cells that all look mostly the same and they have all these functions. And uh, I would say when I was in third grade, that was when I knew. Can I just say you're stereotyping cells? Yeah, I mean, it's just, we're not all the same, man. You know, incidentally, cells, uh, the brain named all of the organs or all of the organs in the body, including itself. Think about that for a second. Only organ that got to name itself. That was the sound of my brain exploding. There Thank you, Chris, for yeah. that. But it's, yes, it's a small explosion. So you you started at a very young age. I did, just kind of wanting to learn more about the world around you, and specifically about biology. Uh, chemistry is cool. Physics, physics is kind of still a mystery. Just to me. say, it, Chris, it might as well be be like. Say, magic. hate it. Uh, want it burned at the stake? There's parts of physics that I want burned. Absolutely. Get uh, rid of it. Yep. Just get out. it out. Get it out of here. Uh, as Donald Trump would say, get it out. <laughs> get it out. This is it's not the biggest or the hugest. It has to leave. It has to go out. I don't like it. I don't okay. like it. <laughs> um, but now biology specifically is incredible because it's all around us. And the more we learn about it, the better our chances of doing things like fixing cancer and diseases. I got to say, I gotta say I'm a fan. Yeah, biology. It's just in general. Or... The reproducing yeah, part. Yeah, right. We're, we're going back to the bare naked ladies <laughs> a little early here. Sorry, sorry. But, okay, so you you got interested in this through kind of an early age, doing things and participating in science fairs, mm-hmm. right? Science fairs, doing but little But then laps. you went to college and you had to... I believe the first two years of UNM, I did general studies. You know, was that similar in Illinois? Uh, since I knew what I wanted to do, they started me on the course load just right away, wow. freshman year. So, okay, you started with molecular biochemistry. Molecular biochemistry, and so were there times where you 
kind of questioned. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, like things like, oh man, I should have done this, or maybe, oh, you know, like I see people being engineers and they're getting all these jobs. What, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I would say that, you know, there was always, uh, when you look, especially at the job market in the United States for higher level education, but just for biology and not necessarily for like an engineering or something like that, you really have academia, like working at a university, yeah. or you have to try to find something in industry, but those jobs are very scarce and the academic jobs get more scarce every day. So, you know, thinking about it and saying like, man, I don't know, maybe I should have been an engineer. Like I definitely could do engineering. It just doesn't really grip me the same way. I will also say there was a physics component to my degree and some of physics, like I was talking about burning it at the stake, specifically things like mirrors and reflections and stuff like that. It's, it's, all, like, witch, it's all witchcraft and I, it needs to be burned. And you know what, man? Like, I'll be honest with you. If you ask me, can you use some equations to figure out what your reflection looks like in that mirror from 12 feet away, I'll be like, no, I'll just stand in front of the mirror and let you know. And then you can burn me. And then you can burn the mirror, not me. I'm good. <laughs> burn burn everything. Break break that mirror and then burn it. That's like 15,000 years of bad luck. I don't care. I'm starting to sound like a pyromaniac. Yes. Guys. Anyways, we're not. <laughs> we're, we're good people, I swear. But so you stuck with it because it was something you were genuinely interested in, even though you saw maybe more lucrative fields this was a choice that you decided to do your undergrad in. Now, okay, so you finish your undergrad, and I believe that someone with molecular biology undergrad can do a lot of stuff. Maybe you could have been a doctor. Maybe you could have done uh, a lot of different things that here in the U.S. are very lucrative. But you decided to continue on the route to kind of further mankind's knowledge. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, but master's, PhD, to, when you go from a master's and then you get your PhD, you're actually in, in almost on such a little level, but still somewhat of a level, increasing mankind's knowledge through your thesis of what we know about biology or the world. So to be a PhD, you actually have to have contributed something to your science. So... What made you, after undergrad, want to be that kind of person? What made you choose to basically do the bio, biomedical, right? Right. At UNM. So I, I think it was a lot of that. It was, you know, uh, so you are correct that when you get your PhD, you do your thesis. It's very specific. Like yeah. a PhD student is not going to it's make like an earth shattering. Exactly. It yeah. is a needle in a huge haystack, but it's still, it goes into the literature it is now searchable and readable by people because you do publish both your thesis and usually a paper that has work with your thesis in it. Mm -hmm. So just the idea of getting to do something so that the thing that I always told people about my degree was the creation of something in biology that nobody else has ever created before and that it might be something that nobody else cares about. But the fact is I made it and it's mine and nobody else in the world has ever done it very appealing to me that the way you put that is so cool on some level you are the first person first man woman just first human being to push that needle and yep. figure something out to do that one specific thing and it might be small but it's still mine but was that what made you want to get this phd so you finished undergrad and you're thinking like a lot of people that finished their you know their undergrad what's next so you decided to go to unm and you picked that program specifically 
did you have a job in mind afterwards or what were you thinking when you started at UNM for biomedical? I was pretty open at the time. There are some people who start their PhDs and they know that they want to be professors at a right. university. There are some people that know that they want to go into industry and work for like a pharmaceutical company or right. something like that. Big money. Uh, exactly. I was pretty open uh, at the time. I just knew that I wanted to create. I wanted to use my hands to create. And that was kind of the, the big motivation at the time. I got into a lab for my PhD where I could do that. Yeah, I get the vibe that you're somewhat of a discoverer. What's a better word for that? Someone that, uh, an explorer explorer. of your science. Yeah. Less interested in the money, more interested in finding out what no man has found out before. (laughs) Right? On some level, or contributing to that. I would say that that's true. I would say that that is also, I mean, you mentioned earlier about like the, you know, fixing cars and things like that. When you put together, you take knowledge, you put it together, and then you create something of your own from that. That's very appealing to me. And I, I kind of call that like a natural curiosity. Like, how does this thing work? Why did it break? And how can I fix it? Or how does this work? And how could I make it work better? Those things have always been super appealing to me. And that's basically what science is about. When you were doing your PhD, would you describe it as 10 times harder than an undergraduate degree? Like from that switch, what was was there a lot of struggle when you were trying to reach for the stars or a PhD? So I would say that the coursework was about the same in terms of difficulty. When you do your PhD in the United States, it is like a full-time job. So yeah. you do your coursework and then you go work in the lab. And then when your coursework is done, now you're full-time in the lab. And there are some students who work in very prestigious labs who maybe work 60 or 70 hour work weeks. Do you get paid for that? Uh, You don't get paid extra. So in the United States, you are lucky to find programs that will cover your tuition for your classes and then give you a small stipend. And that's what I had. But the stipend is very small. So existing on it is not easy so that was a struggle it was it was definitely like you have to really budget very well and they don't pay you overtime it doesn't matter if you work 80 hours or 100 hours it won't matter so you know it's 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 almost amazing we need more of these kinds of people to solve the problems that we don't understand that are happening around us yet it seems like we make it incredibly hard for them i mean you said you had to stipend yeah it was very little and in which case you had to do budgeting on top of already probably a very stressful Uh, class load and responsibilities on top of that in the lab. Sure. So that is definitely true for PhDs. I feel like it's even worse for MDs because for MDs, you get no stipend. You are responsible for your full tuition, which in some schools in the United States can run 40, 50, $60,000 a year. So you graduate with your MD, $300,000 in debt, and you start a residency where you're only making about $10 an hour. So I think that that is a a particularly prescient point that you make that in this country, we need people to solve problems and we need people to help treat the sick and to help find cures and things. But the barrier for entry is so high that there are people who are smart enough to do it, but they can't because they don't have access to the resources. Or just just motivated enough. Like, let's say you, you know, you probably didn't get to go on so many like trips with friends and whatnot because you were budgeting. Like that weighs on you and your your wife, my sister, right. she's an MD, also doing this kind of crazy scheduling and whatnot. And it's not like they're you guys are getting money for something that is so integral for us to 
be successful in solving world problems. And it's almost like a deterrent in my mind. It's like these schools are making it so elitist, so hard to get what we need. And I don't necessarily understand that. But maybe it's because the professors that are teaching there, the quality of that or, or the labs or how expensive or whether or not someone's funding these kinds of projects, these kinds of things, I, I wouldn't necessarily know. But all that stuff definitely plays a factor. And of course, quality of education, like especially in an MD, uh, PhD is, is important as well. For an MD, you know, the school that you go to, the prestige yeah. of your school is going to help you get a job in the future. So yeah, it's true. You pay for all of that. But the thing is that like, I don't think that the total, and we do have, we have a lot of PhDs. We have a lot of MDs. We might actually, we have in some fields more PhDs than we have jobs, right? So it's not like there are just no people who have PhDs or MDs, but I feel really bad for those people who could totally do it. They could keep up with the coursework. They could do the, the lab work or the, the hospital work, but they just can't because of the resource. So you're saying there's almost a saturation of PhDs when it comes to jobs because of lack of resources, i.e. like maybe grants, funding for things like that. That's, That's what definitely becoming on. a bigger and bigger issue is that, you know, I feel like across, not just in the US, but around the world, basic research is slowly becoming, it's kind of taking a back seat because people don't care about the basic research. They want to know how will this research help me? How can we apply this in the clinic? How can we make money? Exactly. That's uh, what it is. And so with less and less basic money. It's not about, it's not about helping people. Exactly. So about. we get more PhDs, more, more people who want to, to get grant money to work on a problem every year, mm -hmm. but the pool of grant money stays the same or shrinks. You know, that's what I think is really sad is that a lot of people go into fields wanting to benefit mankind on some level. And then they find out afterwards that that's just not possible, right? You have to go where the money is. And a lot of these things are pharmaceutical companies or things that aren't necessarily like going to be that cure for cancer. Rather, it's cure for, uh, you know, people who eat too much and have gas, you right. know, like because that's going to sell. Right. So... We're going to talk more with Chris about this PhD, his struggle more specifically. And then I'm going to ask him towards the end of our show here, what's been the kind of crown jewel of all of this? What's made this all worth it? So when we get back after this next BNL song, there's going to be some great conversation. Don't go away. Anonymously, so they leave no trail. Never thought I'd have an IRA from overseas. But some of this enemy stationary filled with chimpanzees. Some chimps in swimsuits, some chimps are swinging from a vine, some chimps in jack boots. Some chimps that wish they could be my Starsky and Hutch chimps. A chimp who's sitting on the can, a pair of Dutch chimps who send their love from Amsterdam. Another It's great. 
She's sending me babies, she's sending me dust to see me get irate I'm losing sleep, and it's dirty keeping me up all night I thought it was funny, but now I got money on a monkey fight Some chimps in hard hats, chimps are working on the chain gang Some chimps who love cats, burning rubber in a Mustang A birthday wishing chimp, a chimp in black like a goth A going fishing chimp, a British chimp in the bar Another bus Another postcard. Now, I was thinking about this. First of all, Chris claims he's a bigger fan of Bare Naked Ladies than I am, and I just don't agree because I knew about this song, uh, and when I came over to kind of, we were talking about doing this podcast, we were talking about what we were going to talk about, I was like, Chris, how about you pick the first B&L song, and then I'll pick my B&L song. He's like, what's your B&L song? And I was like, well, of course, another postcard with chimpanzees. And he's like, he looked at me like I was crazy. Like some guy that said something about chimpanzees and needs to be like, you know, put in a mental institution. Fact is, that song was great. And I imagine the band probably got a lot of, uh, maybe like one fan really liked chimpanzees and bare naked ladies. So they just kept sending the bare naked ladies postcards. I, I think that's that's probably right. Um, I would like what to, else point, could that song be about, Chris? A point of clarity, real quick. Uh, I said Clar- that I was bigger than you and also a fan of Bare Naked Ladies, not a bigger fan of the Bare Naked Ladies. He's just saying you. this because uh, there's a wife around here somewhere. I am lurking. Bigger, I am bigger than you, Ryan, and they will not see what happens to you after this microphone. Yet goes he off. fears his wife, <laughs> <laughs> as Which, every man as, does. You know what? Uh, all fairness, she's my sister, and I'm afraid of her as well. <laughs> Um, she's, uh, but she's an amazing lady. Anyways, so we were talking about, (laughs) we were talking about chimpanzees, postcards, and bare naked ladies. Right. But that was not the point of this podcast, Chris. I think we digressed. Well, 
We listened to a song. Okay, that's what we did. All that's right. fair. Let's jump back into the 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 PhD. Let's do it. Hashtag struggle. Now you know we're we're getting towards uh, the thirty two here. That's minute mark. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, okay. sometimes I don't finish. You know, it's just in my head, and I say it. I'm like sometimes eighty, and people are like eighty what? And I'm like <laughs> eighty chimpanzees. You did it again. Nailed this it. man knows. Nailed it. Anyways, Chris, what was the biggest struggle? Like the moment, let's say your defining moment that kind of kept you on the course to to get your PhD. Like, is there one time you can think of that that happened for you? For me, like an example would be, I remember when I first joined the journalism school, I there was the class that was known for the make or break. It was meant to sift out those who weren't really serious about it and keep in the journalism students that were good. And I remember I almost failed it. I dropped it, I retook it again, and I passed. But when I was about to drop it, the professor called me in and he said, you know, Ryan, college isn't for everyone. You should, <laughs> you should think about this because you're spending money maybe you're just not smart enough for this. Wow. And that was the defining moment in my life where I was like, I'm going to not just get my bachelor's in this. I'm going to double major. And then, you know what? I'm going to get my master's. So, flip side, biomedical science, molecular biology, super bio man. What was your defining moment? So, I would say that... Well, so I guess for both of those, I would have a different answer, right? So mm. for my undergrad, for the molecular biochemistry part, I, I say this, there's no way to have this not come off as a humble brag. I got one B in all of undergrad and mm. all the rest of them were A's. And that B was physics too. And that was the mirrors and reflections and, and all kinds of stuff like that. I worked my ass off. I had never actually up to that point in my life tried as hard as I could and not like completely succeeded mm. and right there i tried as hard as i could and i scraped a b minus in that class and from that point that bugged on you. it it bugged me but i was also like you know what i'm cut out for this because you that like was a challenge that was the hardest thing that i had done and i didn't get exactly what i wanted but i also didn't fail i nailed yeah. it like it was good right like i i felt like yeah okay i'm not always going to be absolutely at the top but I'm not going to get beaten by this ever because that was the hardest thing I ever did. I like and it. I did it, right? I like but, it. We can cue up the Rocky music right now. <laughs> <laughs> going to start running up the stairs and uh, hitting meat, sides of meat with my hands. We're um, going to do that after this. After this. after And then the batting cages. Yeah. In the PhD, it's yeah. actually funny. I would say that that similar struggle came right at the very end for me. Really? I had not... So your final like year, you're really kind of writing your thesis. You're not doing as many experiments anymore because you're just okay. trying to get everything put together so that you can defend. And I was a little bit lazy on that. I had written so, so these theses, these theses, Chris, Chris, I should Chris. say, these should be. I mean, usually in in the U.S., they're between 100 and 200 pages is, is what it usually is. I had written six pages, and I had wanted to defend. Uh, in May of that year, and it was January. Oh, God. And my mentor told me, if you don't have a rough draft of this thing that we can start editing by the end of the month, there's no way you're going to defend in May. And really, you wow. probably should have been writing more before this. So that was really embarrassing for me. Yeah. Uh, and also, like he, he kind of expressed doubt that I was going to be able to get him a rough draft by the end of January. And I said, you don't think I can get 
a rough draft. I am gonna. I'll do more than a rough draft. I'm gonna get something that I've edited a couple of times before you even see it. I'm gonna and write I, a novel. I am gonna just do it right now. And I worked nights and weekends and all throughout the days, and I hammered out 150 pages in like two and a half weeks. That's awesome. I, I nailed it. And at the and end, what like, did this guy say? I, when you did give him that rough draft. What did he say, Chris? Come on. It uh, was he like. <gasps> He, uh, he, he played me because he was like, I knew you'd be able to do it. Oh, he, man. He played me, Ryan. Uh, he knew he was just trying to motivate me, and he knew that Come because here, of who I am. Yeah, bring it in. Oh, uh, because of who I am, he knew that I would respond the way I did. And I did, and we got the thesis done. So Now I'm wondering if that guy in undergrad played me. <laughs> no, no, he was just a jerk. He's just it's, a jerk. It's a fine line between, it's a fine line before, and jerk. between being played and... Someone just being a jerk. Yes. Anyways, um, that was inspiring. But, okay, so as we finish up on this podcast, one of the most important things that I wanted to ask you is a lot of academics are being pursued in China. China is so heavy about academics, you know, uh, that kids go to school even when they, you know, get out of school, elementary school. You know, they'll go to classes outside of that. They're constantly learning to get into better middle schools, to compete to get into better high schools, and then they take the Gaokao. Academics is valued heavily there. But it's not just valued heavily there. It's it's valued heavily here on some level as well. Absolutely. Obviously, right? Yep. So uh, to people around the world, because there are brilliant people around the world that just need inspiration or help or mo- motivation, what words can you tell these people that are struggling, maybe that are going through this 10-year process and having problems, what would be something that you could convey to them, a message that would inspire them to be able to finish this? So this is going to be lame, right? Uh, Chris, if it's lame, I don't want to hear it, Chris. It's going to be corny and super weird. I love corn. So... Let's hear it. Wife and I just got back from Disney World, right? And so so she she tried to get into med school a few times, right? Mm-hmm. And each time she had been like waitlisted and then just missed the cutoff. And after the last one, we were this the last one that she had missed, we were finally together for. And she was telling me like she was obviously super distraught. She said, I, I can't do this anymore. I right. can't put myself through this. And then we went and we saw the Disney movie Zootopia. Um, which is all about following your dreams and never quitting, right? And the final Shakira. song, the, the Shakira song, the chorus is, I won't give up, I won't give in. Try everything. Till I reach the end and then I'll start again. I want to believe, I want to try everything. I want to try even though I could fail. And I think that those are those words still, It's it, like I said, it's super corny. Listening to that song still gives me goosebumps. Also, after that song, opioid addictions went up. 20%. Well, I mean... Because everybody was trying everything. Want to try everything, right? <laughs> I, she says everything. She doesn't say, you know, everything except for the opioids. So, yeah. uh, but but for real, um, like that song is such an inspiration to me because you hear it and you say, you know what? I might not, I might not do it if I try. And that's the scariest thing in the world is to say to yourself, I could try and fail, but it's still worth it trying it's still worth attempting to see it through because if you do there's a reason that you started the dream in the first place and you will realize that at the no end. no regrets right no regrets at all is it was zootopia a disney movie it was 
All right, so there's something about Disney movies because actually I have a similar uh, song that inspires me that literally I've listened to it since before I even left for China. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, a Hercules song. He's trying to figure out who he is. Uh And uh, he wants to be a hero, you know, and and he's talking about rising to the top. And I don't know, Disney's inspirational. It is. And and I think that it's, it's a good cultural touchstone because everybody can identify with feeling scared, and with feeling like you don't know if you're going to measure up if you try. And and like I said, the scariest thing in the world is to say, but what if I try my hardest and I still don't do it? Well, that means that it wasn't for you, but it was absolutely worth trying. You got to try everything, as, try everything, as Shakira would say. Try and, everything. Nailed wow, it. was she in the... No, that was Chris. That was... That, <laughs> I, you know, like we called her up. We wanted to get her on the phone real quick just to sing a bar. She said no. She said no, of course. And she basically like blocked our numbers. Did you tell her that I look like a more handsome Ben Affleck? She Man. didn't. She didn't believe it. And uh, she wasn't a fan of any of his movies. Of course not, because no one is. And no anyway. one is. Everybody hates Batman. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the moral of the story here, or at least the motivation, is, guys, when you commit to something, whether it be relationships, whether it be a PhD, you're always going to have doubts in your life. There, there's always going to be some something on your shoulder that will say. You know, maybe maybe we should cut out. Maybe we should do something different. But there's a voice that's more stronger inside of you saying, this is what I've wanted to do, and I've known I've wanted to do it, and I can't quit. At that point in time, I feel like you have to just do your best to try to finish because otherwise you're going to go home with regrets. You know, life, I think life, as long as you just try your hardest, you will have no regrets, and and in in doing so, will have a much more fulfilling life. I would absolutely agree with that, and I know that we were doing a whole bare naked ladies thing. I but love them. Maybe we should switch and have the last song be "Try Everything" from from Zootopia because uh, Shakira, Shakira. First of all, if you're not familiar with Shakira, right? Her hips don't lie. They don't. You can check it out. It's the, true. The second thing is if you haven't heard this song. I've watched those hips intensely. They I've, didn't lie at all. I've watched him watch those hips, and it was as weird as you would think it was. All right, Chris. What are we doing here? I'm listening to you karaoke in the shower, and you're watching me watch Shakira move. I, I thought you were listening to me karaoke. We got while some I stuff we got to straighten out yeah. while Shakira plays the next song.
Try Everything by Shakira. That's a really good song and very motivational. You know, uh, as we close out here with uh, Chris Lino, who's nice enough to talk with us and, and talk about the process that uh, it was to be going from an undergrad to a PhD. Hutong Hero is, is something that I personally am trying. And, you know, before I used to be a, a big radio host, but as this even though it's not that kind of level yet, we'll continue to try to push the bars. I got to be the, honest with you, Ryan. Uh, the hutongs. I'm, I want to. I want to say this. In the heroes, Chris, except Ben Affleck. Get that guy out. Of Get here. him out of here. I want to say this uh, to your podcast audience as well as to oh you. Oh. Uh, you are a great host. Uh, I feel like I have listened to some of the stuff that you did in the past, and I felt like the level of your talent and your ability was so apparent in everything that you did, and I have no doubt that if you stick with this, good things will happen. Chris, so. I need to tell you I have a girlfriend, but thank you. Well, I mean, I would I would watch very <laughs> carefully what you say here, that is what I'm going to say to you right now. Uh, but I will say that uh, that you are awesome and that it was awesome to be here with you and I hope I can do it again at some point I hope that my crappy voice didn't scare off all of your uh, listeners you have a good voice Chris but uh, the Ben Affleck thing definitely does have to go because nobody likes those movies I can't this is how we make our money I'm waving my hand in front of my face in case uh, this is an audio medium you know but guys I've had a lot of fun hanging out with Chris hopefully you guys have had fun listening to us we will do this again because like I said it's fun anyways yeah this is the end of this episode of Hutong Hero. More to come. Don't you worry, but uh, we'll see you later. Bye.